The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on what is an overcast but nice temperature day here in Auburn and Opelika. So I hope you're all doing well on this Thursday, September 14th, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. A busy show today as it is every single Thursday around here uh, between 2 and 4 p.m. I got three guests up for you today. Uh, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will join us on the phone lines at 2.30. Then at 3 o'clock, Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, he'll join us on the phone lines to talk about a double overtime victory for Auburn High School last week as they get prepared to hit the road once again at Jag High School tomorrow night. Then in the second hour uh, at 3.30, uh, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us as he does every single Thursday to get you re capped from week two of college football around the conference and get you ready for week three so very very busy show um hope you're all doing doing well we're getting closer to the weekend can i be honest with you can i just be honest with you here as we start the show i'm tired today man i've been tired all week don't know why um just been a busy week hasn't been just like overly crazy just I don't know. Just been one of those weeks where you just can't get enough sleep, right? Can't get, you just can't get caught up, it seems like, whether it be um, stuff that's happening at work or in life or just on sleep, whatever it may be. It's just been one of those weeks. And so, um, but we're going to have a lot of fun today. And that's one great thing about what I get to do every single day is I can walk in this studio and it doesn't really matter what's going on around me or what's going on in life or how tired I am or whatever. I'm always excited to be right here with you for two hours every single day. And um, I'm very blessed to do what I do, and I'm excited to have a wonderful show and talk with some wonderful guests and hopefully talk with some of my wonderful listeners today as well. So give me a call. What's on your mind on a Thursday afternoon going on in the sports world? What do you want to talk about on a Thursday? 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to me, 334 334- 321-1390. Um, as we get closer to the weekend, what are your score predictions for Saturday for Auburn versus Sanford? Uh, what do you want to see on Saturday from Auburn versus Sanford? Um, and what do you want to see around college football this weekend? I know it's not a it's not a great weekend by any means. Um, it is a it's a weak slate. Now, I'm just gonna be straight up. It's going to be a a weak slate of football there are some decent games and there are some games that have potential to be really good um but when you just look at it from when you just pull up like the the schedule for the day it just doesn't look all that great um I think there will be 
some good ones. And I do think that um, there will be some entertaining games this weekend, but we don't have an Alabama-Texas this weekend. We just don't. And you know what? That's okay. You're going to have that at times during the season. Uh, But we're going to talk about some of those games today, start breaking some of those down, looking towards what uh, the weekend holds in the SEC. And again, I want to hear from you. Uh, You can call in and be on the line, 334-321-1390. What games are you going to be watching this weekend? Uh, What do you want to see from Auburn versus Sanford? Your score predictions, all that good stuff. I want to hear from you in the next 30 minutes or so. 334-321-1390. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will join us coming up at 2.30. So until then, let's start looking at some of these games around college football. Well, we know Auburn is playing Samford on Saturday, that game being played at 6 o'clock. They're at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It is homecoming weekend uh, here on the Plains. You'll have the parade going on. You'll have a bunch of alumni in town. Um, it's one of those. I know it's parents weekend for uh, for the, the university, for the students over there. Um, so it's a big weekend in Auburn, and it's one of those weekends where Everybody can come to town and just enjoy the day, right? Enjoy the weekend. You don't really have to stress about the game a whole lot, we hope, right? Auburn should um, take care of business against Sanford. But you and I know just, I mean, we know really well that certain things have to happen in this game on Saturday. Auburn's got to get better this weekend. We know that for a fact. Um, But the weekend as a whole should be a lot of fun. Outside of Auburn, Because Auburn plays at 6 o'clock. There's some games that will be played before. There's some games that will be played at the exact same time as Auburn that I will be keeping up with from the press box there at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And you look across college football, uh, some of the games that we'll have here on ESPN 106.7, number 7 Penn State on the road at Illinois at 11 a.m. Now, you may say, well, Illinois is not all that great of a football team. You're right, they're not. This game's about Penn State because they're 2-0. They're the number seven team in the country, right? Number seven. That's where they sit right now. They have a game against Iowa coming up. In a few weeks, they have a game on the road in the Buckeye State, taking on the Buckeyes of Ohio State. They also have a game against Michigan later in the year and a game on the road at Michigan State to end it all. Penn State, you know what my opinion is on this. Until they prove it, I won't believe in them. But that's what this game will be about in my mind. This is about Penn State. This is a year, especially with Ohio State, not being impressive through two weeks of football. This is a time for Penn State to finally break through. So we'll see. I think that game could be interesting on Saturday. This game is... There's a couple games in this 11 a.m. slate on Saturday that are really, really good, could be the best ones of the day, LSU-Mississippi State and Kansas State and Missouri. Both of these games are really, really intriguing to me. Let's start with the Kansas State-Missouri game. Kansas State, in case you forgot, in case you haven't noticed, Kansas State is number 15 in the country. They are coming off of one of their best seasons ever in the Big 12. Now, sure, they're 2-0 and thanks to wins over Southeast Missouri and Troy, but they're still 2-0, and and they've got a lot of talent. And they're coming on the road to an SEC team in Missouri 
that could desperately use a win like this. And while a lot of you may think, well, again, it's Missouri. They're not that good. No, they're not. But they are 2-0. And Vegas knows something that we don't. That has to be the case. Have you seen the spread on this game? The number 15 team in the country, Kansas State, going to Columbia, Missouri, which is not a tough place to play, to the Missouri Tigers, a bottom three team in the conference, and they're only favored by four. That's it. Only favored by four. That seems like a game for me, folks, that Vegas knows something we don't. It feels like a trap right there that you just don't want to mess with. I don't know. If Kansas State plays their type of football, they should win this game by double digits. It's an 11 a.m. game on the road. What have I told you about this? Road teams benefit from early kickoffs on the road. They do. Well, you know what I mean. Road teams benefit from early kickoffs. They just do. The crowd's not into it. The other team's usually not into it. You can get in and get out. You're there the night before. You can leave the same day. The momentum and the benefit is on the road team for 11 a.m. kicks. And so keep your eye on Kansas State, Missouri on Saturday, 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. I'll be really, really interested if Missouri can keep this close or somehow by whatever if they were to win this game. That would be huge. That'd be huge for them if Missouri could pull that off. The other game happening at 11 a.m. on Saturday on ESPN, number 14 LSU on the road in Stark Vegas taking on Mississippi State. How big of an opportunity is this game for Mississippi State and Zach Arnett? How big of a game and an opportunity and a program reviving opportunity this is a chance for Mississippi State to really put their true investment into Zach Garnett as their head coach because with the passing of Mike Leach and God rest his soul you just didn't know what was going to happen there nobody knew what was going to happen with the Mississippi State football program and we still don't know what's going to happen to it but so far in 2023, the Bulldogs are 2-0 with a win over a Power 5 school in Arizona from the Pac-12. You have an opportunity here for an LSU team that has still not figured out who they are. I don't care that they put up 72 points last week. You have a chance for an 11 a.m. kick, and I know I just talked about how road teams benefit from early kickoffs. And it's still true here. LSU has the upper hand in more ways than one. But if Mississippi State can find a way to get up, get ready, fill their stadium, and somehow put some pressure on Jaden Daniels, they better be watching the Florida State film, and I'm sure they are. Imagine if State could win this football game. A... It would be huge for Mississippi State. But it would be even worse 
for Brian Kelly and LSU? And I think that's a really interesting question right there. If Mississippi State beats LSU on Saturday, and I think they can, not saying they will, but I think they can, would it be bigger for Mississippi State or would it be worse for LSU? What are your thoughts on that? 334-321-1390. LSU favored by nine and a half. I think that's too much. I could see them winning by 10, but I think this is a dog fight on Saturday morning. I think Mississippi State, if they can find some offense and if they can get Will Rogers slinging the football around, Mississippi State can run in this game. I'm telling you they can. And they will not quit on their head coach. I can promise you that. Mississippi State's going to be in this thing. And I'm really, really excited about this one. LSU has to win it. If you are, and I think I said this yesterday on the show or maybe the day before, if you're LSU, you cannot lose this game. I think it was yesterday. I said this is a must-win game. Must-win. And I don't like to put that label out because it's a very commonly used label in in sports. But you want to look up the definition of must-win, this is it for Brian Kelly and LSU in year two. You cannot lose two out of your first three games in 2023. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so I'm excited about this game on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Other games going on um, this, this weekend in college football, again, it's not the best slate by any means. It's not even close. It may be, honestly, it might be the worst week that we have in college football all season long. And I know that Georgia's hosting South Carolina. But guys, Georgia's favored by four touchdowns. And I think they're going to cover. I really do. I think Georgia's going to cover. Because I said this yesterday on the show also, South Carolina and Jordan Hill brought this up. South Carolina gave up nine sacks to North Carolina. They let the Tar Heels chase them around all night long. What do you think Georgia's going to do? Georgia's going to be all over Spencer Rattler, who's a fantastic player and can keep them in this football game, but he won't. The offensive line's bad for the Gamecocks. Their playmakers are not there. And their defense is okay. But Carson Beck's going to feel comfortable in this game. Carson Beck's going to have a field day in this game. And a matchup that was once really hyped up and really excited for a week three game, after South Carolina goes one and one, and the embarrassing showing they had on opening weekend against North Carolina, nobody's giving them a chance. And if you do, I'm, I'm curious to why. Because I don't see any world, any situation where South Carolina goes to Athens for a 2.30 kick and wins this football game as four touchdown underdogs. I just don't see it. You can't convince me. Or maybe you can. Maybe you can't. Alabama at South Florida, not worried about that. Alabama will rebound just fine. Um, Again, just not very many games this weekend. Washington-Michigan State would have been interesting, but given everything that's going on with Michigan State right now, I have no idea where that program is. I have no idea 
what the mindset is, what the mentality is of the other coaches on the staff, with the situation around Mel Tucker. What are the players doing? How are they responding? Are they still bought in? Are they just wondering where their head coach is going to be or, or who their coach is going to be? I don't know. I mean, this this had potential to be a really exciting game. But with the way Washington has played early on this season, and again, with everything happening there in East Lansing, I just don't see a chance where Michigan State, even being at home mid-afternoon, I don't see where they can really compete physically or mentally with Washington right now. And just to give you my pick, I'm going to take the Huskies. They're the number eight team in the country for a reason. And I think they're going to roll. They're favored by, uh, I think, 16 or something like that. Like 16 points, 16 and a half on the road. And and I think they'll they'll win. I think they'll win easily. So you've got that game. Um, you do have Tennessee, Florida. And what a game this should be, but it won't be. Right? The Tennessee-Florida game is supposed to be one of the best games that the SEC East has to offer. Should be one of the best games that the SEC as a whole has to offer. But man, nothing I've seen through two weeks gets me excited or gives me any confidence in Billy Napier in Florida. And no, Tennessee hasn't looked great. But they're about to play a Florida team that they are three times as talented as. And so far, coaching-wise, Josh Heupel's a heck of a better coach than Billy Napier is at their programs right now. I hope that's a good game. It's a night game in the swamp with a top 15 program in Tennessee coming to town. This should be a phenomenal atmosphere and a phenomenal game. Should be, but I just don't know if it will. And Tennessee favored by six? Neutral site or even in Knoxville, Tennessee would be favored double digits easily. But the Swamp, if the people show up and if the people support, they'll give Florida a chance. They'll keep them in the ballgame. But what film and tape can you show me that Florida's going to stop Tennessee? And what film and tape can you show me that Florida's going to score on Tennessee? I don't think it exists. I really don't. And I said this yesterday, Florida looked better in week two, but they should have. They played McNeese. They were supposed to look better in week two. You couldn't look any worse than what they did against Utah. I think Tennessee rolls. And and we'll make our picks tomorrow on the show, but I think Tennessee's going to win. I think it's going to be a runaway game in the second half. Florida just doesn't have the guys right now. They don't have the game plan. They don't have the skill. They don't have the coaching to keep up with Tennessee right now. And it's crazy because I told you at the beginning of the year it's going to be a bad season in Gainesville. It's going to be a bad year. And they're about to be 1-2 to start 2023, the second year where Billy Napier's already getting requests to be fired. I don't know, man. It's one of the few games this weekend that you want it to be good, and I hope it is. I just don't know if it will be. 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. I'll go ahead and give it to you in case you want to call in and talk about it. Auburn playing Sanford this weekend. It's homecoming. The win may not be in doubt, but what do you want to see from Auburn 
this weekend. How can Auburn get better in your mind this weekend before they make a road trip to Texas A&M? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goetz with you on ESPN 1067. I gave it to you before we went to break, but in case you missed it, a question of the day. What do you want to see from Auburn this Saturday? Um, How can Auburn get better in your mind before playing Texas A&M next week? Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Moving from the the victory at Cal, um, Auburn went out. They won the game, right? Win is a win. Um, But you come home and play a Sanford squad where you're going to be favored by a lot. It's homecoming. The win, if you handle your business, if you play the way you're supposed to play, the win should not be in question. But we know in today's game of college football, games like this you have to take advantage of if you're a team like Auburn. And really if you're just a Power 5 team in general, top 50 team in general, These are not just show up, take the win, and move on. These are games where you can get better, where you can work on certain things to make yourself better prepared for bigger games like Auburn's going to play in next week in the state of Texas. Auburn has some things to fix, and I think we can all agree on that. And I'll tell you who agrees with that more than anybody. It's head coach Hugh Freeze. He's talked about it already this week on how Auburn has to get better. The offense has to be better. The offensive line has to be better. Peyton Thorne, as the starting quarterback of Auburn, has to be better. The receivers have to be better. Run better routes. Have some effort. Get open. The coaches have to be better, right? Philip Montgomery and this offensive staff, if they're the ones truly calling plays, I think the game plan needs to switch a little bit. Throw the ball. In my, in my opinion, throw the football. And we know that the two-quarterback system thing that we saw on Saturday against California, I don't think you're going to see that anymore. I'm just going to be up straight up with you. I don't think you're going to see that much anymore. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Does it work at Auburn? Does it work at any Power 5 school? you got to have a quarterback, and you got to stay with him. For a game, at least. Now, if you play him the entire game, and he doesn't do anything, then maybe next week, or maybe even in the second half, you can play him. But the whole, let's swap quarterbacks every play scheme, that never works, ever. And it's a bad idea, and I don't think Auburn will do it. But here's where I think, and, and like I just the positions I just talked about. The offense just has to be, get some flow, right? Get a little rhythm and confidence, I think is a big word here for Auburn's offense. Build some confidence this weekend against Samford. Do I expect Auburn to come out and just open the playbook 100% and just let it fly and let everybody know what we got? No, I don't think so. 
But I do expect Auburn, and I hope they do, I hope Auburn opens it up a little bit more than you usually would versus a team like Sanford because the offense needs that. Peyton Thorne and the receivers, they need some of those extra plays. They need some of those big-time plays. And they need, they just need some confidence. Because it seems like Peyton Thorne just doesn't have that. He seems a little timid at times. He seems a little frustrated at times. And we've seen it when he's missed a couple of reads. We also saw it when Auburn only threw the ball 17 times. Is that on the quarterback? Is that on the receivers? Or is that just playing out on the coaching staff? I don't know. But I think Auburn's got to have an aggressive game plan on Saturday put up some points, hit some big plays. That way you got a little rhythm and momentum when you go on the road to Texas A&M next week. That's what I want to see. When we come back, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will join us. We'll ask him that same question, recap his trip to California, and preview homecoming weekend here on the Plains. Plus, Tiger Talk tonight, he'll he'll, uh, bring that up and preview that as well. Don't go anywhere. Brad Law joins me when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We are halfway through hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And joining us on the phone lines, as he does every Thursday, it's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network, back from California and preparing for what should be a packed house at Tiger Talk tonight once again. Brad, great to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, Jacob, doing well. Glad to be back. Glad we got our time zones adjusted and everybody's body clock got back set to normal and uh, ready to go celebrate some homecoming this weekend. It'll be a uh, it's a great day. We hope it's a great day tonight. Looking forward to big crowds both tonight and Saturday. Well, before we uh, talk about what's happening tonight and this weekend coming up here on the Plains, I've been asking everybody that's gone out, how was your trip to California? Um, I've heard people had a great time. The scenery was great. Some people had some flight struggles, but overall it seems like people had a good time. So how was your trip out there? i got to tell you, with the state of commercial air uh, industry right now, just make it back, even if you don't make it back on the same day you were supposed to. As long as you make it back with your luggage, that's reason for celebration uh these days but it was a good trip i um i got to fly out with the team i flew back commercially and i'll just tell you personally every time i've been to california i've been to san diego for the ncaa tournament in 2018 uh to la with uh men's basketball back in december and then now to the san mateo berkeley uh redwood city area um, it's gorgeous, man, a oh man, oh man, California is gorgeous. Um, California gets its reputation because of the leadership and some of the kookiness, like you hear about that, but to go out there, it's just gorgeous scenery. Uh, it's a stunning part of the country. We got to tour the Stanford campus on Friday, uh, saw the, the Herbert Hoover Institute and the, uh, the big chapel that they had there, the church, not a chapel, it's a full church mm-hmm. that, 
looks like one of the ones you would see over in Europe or one of the castles in Europe. It's just absolutely magnificent. And, uh, you know, on the personal side of it, forget the work part, just loved the time out there. It was great. Well, you guys did a, a fantastic job, and the broadcast sounded fantastic. I know everybody seemed like they had a really good time. It was a stressful night, though, in Berkeley, California for a while, and a, a stressful one as we got into Sunday morning here back in Auburn. But, Brad, what did you see from this Auburn team? I think resiliency is a word that continues to come up. Auburn came back with the win. That's the most important thing. But what did you see from the Tigers on Saturday? Yeah, and I'm glad that we have this discussion on Thursday because I think, like everything else in life, the further away you get from it, the less emotional you are and the, the more perspective that you have. And uh, emotionally in the moment, you're going, what went wrong? What was going on? And you're, you're scrambling a little bit to try to figure it out. You get a few days removed, and you go very clearly, Auburn thought it could run the ball at will. And to a degree, it was successful. And I mean, the running backs ran for over five yards of carry. Um so, you know, the running game in and of itself, there wasn't anything wrong with it. But um, they thought they wouldn't have to, to pass the ball all that much. They weren't able to convert on third down at the rate they expected to be able to convert on third down. The, the play calling kind of leads you to believe that. And the, um, the fact that they weren't able to convert those first downs meant that they didn't establish the tempo that they wanted to establish. And Hugh Free said as much earlier this week in his press conference that, the game really didn't go at all the way that he thought it was going to go. And you can credit Cal's defense for some of that. Uh, perhaps the early fumble on the, the third play of the game from Peyton caused him to uh, press a little bit, and um, you know maybe that affected him. I don't know. That would make sense to me uh, anyway in that environment. And so I think you saw a team that um, will not carry the game plan A in the future games that you saw it have to use for the majority of the Cal game. I think they'll take what they saw in the Cal game and work on the mistakes, try to correct those, and the game plan, that, that's, not a, that's not a plan A, what you saw Saturday night. Now, it, it worked. It did eventually work, and you're right, and that is the most important thing. When we're looking back at the 2023 20, uh, season, we're not going to talk about a pedestrian-looking team against Cal. We're going to talk about a win. And that's that will be it. I've got a, another quick point to make in that regard. Yeah. Remember twenty four. Remember twenty fourteen Kansas State. Yes. Right. Yes. That was a Thursday. That was a Thursday night. Everything was out of sync because it was a different day of the week, and and football teams are all about routine. So the routine was all fouled up. They only scored twenty points, but they won the game. In their next two games against Louisiana Tech and LSU, they scored forty five and forty one points. So. Yep, they only got 14 against Cal. The routine was all kind of fouled up, and I would expect things to look drastically different here the next couple of weeks. And that's a really great point because Auburn playing a Samford team this weekend, one of their non-conference games that are not a Power 5 team, and then they open up with SEC play with Texas A&M on the road next week. Not saying Auburn's going to go out and put up 40 each game, but you just never know. And I think the offense definitely has some adjustments to make. Defensively, though, Brad, I mean, there's just not enough to say about the job that they did on Saturday night, including the co-defensive player of the week, Eugene Asante. Yeah, he's all over the place. He he makes a difference. He is a he is a catalyst. He's a game changer. He affects change defensively. Plays with a lot of speed and energy, and you know that kind of speed is uh, 
the way it has affected a couple of quarterbacks here these first two weeks. You know, you put an asterisk by the UMass game because number one, it's UMass, but also number two, um, Pumachan was injured, mm-hmm. you know, a quarter or so into the game. You go, wow, you didn't really see what he could do. Well, okay, fine. Let's bring in Jackson. Let's, let's bring in the dynamic multi-threat quarterback for Cal. And he's a guy that Asante pressures off the edge and his elusiveness is going to allow him to get out of the way nine out of 10 times, but didn't get out of the way of Eugene Asante. He was able to trip him up. And, and that was just one of the plays mm-hmm. uh, in which Eugene was, was able to affect a lot of change in the backfield. So yeah, he, and, and it was needed with keys injured and out several weeks. He is clearly your number one linebacker and he's getting help from a ball hawking secondary three interceptions through two games. Auburn had six all of last year. Um, and that's without Nehemiah Pritchett. Now you got Kay and Lee, the true freshman, who's been outstanding these first two weeks. Cal tried to pick on him the very first play of the game with play action and a deep ball, and didn't work. So uh, Auburn's really in good shape with Asante at the linebacker spot, and then with that secondary, uh, if, if you can get pressure on the quarterback, the secondary's covering, and sometimes they're coming away with it. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line as he does every single week at 2.30. Auburn moving forward. They have homecoming this weekend. Sanford coming to town. We know the parade will be happening. It's the first night game of the season over at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Expected to have a full crowd there once again uh, on Saturday. I've been asking my listeners today, Brad, and I want to ask you as well, with the with Auburn, as long as they do their job right, as long as everything goes well, the win on Saturday should not be in question. But what can Auburn do, and what do you want to see them do on Saturday to get better as a football team before making the trip to Texas A&M next week? I think you see early passing game, uh, intermediate and downfield passes, uh, not because you need it to win the game. You know, Auburn could do against Sanford, with all due respect to the Bulldogs, what Florida did to McNeese last week, and that's just run the ball for 300 yards and not really try the downfield passing game very much, and they could just sort of you know, lumber their way to a win. Auburn could certainly do that, but in SEC play, you're going to need your passing game, and you know, Peyton Thorne has only attempted nine uh, mid-range passes, intermediate passes, through the first two games. Uh, that's surprisingly low through two games. So, I mean, granted, the offense really only played about two and a half quarters against UMass, but um, I just expected that number to be a little higher, and I think it will be. wouldn't surprise me to see seven, eight of those intermediate passes in this game alone. I think you need the passes between 10 and 20 and then 20 and beyond, and you need to get in sync with these receivers. Auburn has too many guys that are capable of being productive, consistent receivers. Jay Fair, Javarius Johnson have been the most productive, but you know, this staff went out and got a lot of outside receivers uh, in the offseason through the portal. And, you know, for example, Jair Shorter and Shane Hooks have combined for two catches. Jair Shorter's only been targeted one time. Now, there's only one ball, and there's only so many plays, and you're going to run the ball on a little more than half of those plays. So, sure, the opportunities are cut down. Uh, but in conference play, you're going to need your outside receivers to be productive and I think the way you get them into that productivity is to start right away Saturday against Sanford. You're not holding things back. You're going to hold back a few things schematically, but you're not holding back personnel in game three of the season. So I think those outside receivers getting involved early and often is uh, something that Auburn fans will be looking for Saturday. 
and then with it being homecoming weekend, Brad, what does that mean for um, just for for Auburn fans, the Auburn family, you guys with the Auburn Sports Network? It should be uh, a fun day uh, here in Auburn. Temperature hopefully not going to be anything super crazy. And then, like I mentioned, the first night game uh, at Jordan Hare Stadium this season. Yeah, I, I'm kind of a sucker for the tradition and the uh, pageantry of homecoming. I love the parade and. My son's going to be in it, I think, this year because he's an ambassador at his, his school classroom, and um, it, 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 I love every bit of that. Love the bands. I love the you know crowning a homecoming queen, having the alumni band. Um, every bit of that is uh, is part of what makes college football so special. From a game perspective, there will be people at this game. This is where I get emotional and sentimental about it and sappy. Um, there will be people who come to the Sanford game that don't get to come to any other games all year. Like there's 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 some eight or nine year old who's going to go to his first ever Auburn football game Saturday. They don't have his parents don't have season tickets or he's got an uncle or some you know they, he doesn't get to come to every game. But he'll get to come to this one and the Tiger Walk and seeing the eagle fly and everything we love about an Auburn football game. Somebody will be experiencing that for the very first time and they'll establish a connection that they will hold. Uh, for as long as I mean, for as long as they lived, and the time that person comes back fifty years after graduating, and they'll remember their very first game. So, yep, I'm a I'm a sap for stuff like that. It's it's not just another day; it's a very special day for sure. Yeah, and that's what that's what makes Auburn so special. It's what makes um, it's what made us all become what we are, and, and you know, loving Auburn and covering Auburn and being a part of this wonderful place. And so, uh, a special weekend, no doubt, coming up for Auburn this weekend as the Tigers taking on Sanford for homecoming weekend uh, kickoff at six o'clock. Uh, the Tiger Tailgate Show countdown to kickoff that'll be going at three o'clock right after our game day on Wings ninety four three show. Of course, you can find all of that over on our sister station Wings ninety four three and wingsfm.com you can also find tiger talk tonight which will be held at bomb Howard's victory grill that'll be at six o'clock over on wings 94.3 or if you want to go out and check it out brad what can the people expect to hear tonight who's going to be making a stop at the table there at bomb Howard's? right well coach freeze will be there right off the top of the show so be there early for the show tonight we're also going to have uh ryan wakamurka to talk about the beginning of the swimming and diving season and um jacob who would you say would be the defensive mvp of the cow game well, you know, there's a couple, but I think it would be Eugene Asante. Yeah, he'll be at Tiger Talk tonight. Who would you say would be the offensive MVP of the Cal game? Would it happen to be Rivaldo Fairweather? Yep, it is, and he'll be at Tiger Talk tonight. So those two guys <laughs> will both be with us on the show as well. I, I really I encourage you to come out to Victory Grill tonight, get there early, have dinner with us, and, um, and enjoy the show. It's going to be a wonderfully exciting and, and enthusiastic time. Well, you guys, again, I say it all the time. You do a wonderful job. We're so excited to be partnered with you guys this season and for moving forward. And, and uh, again, people can check out Tiger Talk. Either go in person, like Brad said, get there early at Baumhauer's uh, and listen to uh, Andy and Brad and Jason and, and Jacob and all the guys at the Albert Sports Network, head coach Hugh Freeze. That'll be tonight, 6 o'clock, over on Wings 94.3. And then coverage on Saturday beginning at 3 o'clock. Right, Brad? You got it. Three o'clock Saturday, we'll be Ben Obamanu is going to be with us. Liston Edmonds is going to be with us. Homecoming Court will be there. Got a big show planned for for Saturday. We haven't even filled up all the guest spots yet, so that's still coming. That's awesome. Well, hey, how how good of a job has has Jason done so far through two weeks? I mean, it's been a really really fun listening uh, to him so far. He's so much fun, and he's settling in too. If you listen to some of the, if you go back and watch some of the highlights of the game, um, 
he's interjecting a little bit, like some just the natural, spontaneous uh, reaction from Jason. He called the interception before DJ had it in his hands. He goes, pick. He's, uh, yeah, he's getting into it. It's awesome. I, I love our crew and uh, can't wait to be with him again Saturday. Well, you guys, again, have a, have a great time tonight for Tiger Talk. Have a great call on Saturday. I'm sure I'll see you guys around uh, making my way to the stadium as well. And, Brad, I appreciate you, as always, joining me here on Thursdays. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you guys have going on with the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow us on Twitter, at AU Sports Network. I'm AU Brad Law on Twitter. It's the only social media that I have because I'm old. And, uh, yeah, that, that's it. We just, we're just glad that everybody tunes in and, I hope they will again each time out. Brad, have a great call this weekend and a good show tonight. We'll talk to you this weekend and the next week here on the show. Thank you, Jacob. Have a great night. That's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Joins me every Thursday here on the show at 2.30, talking all things Auburn athletics, especially Auburn football this weekend, recapping the Cal game, getting you ready for Auburn versus Sanford this weekend for homecoming and Tiger Talk tonight at Baumhauer's and 6 o'clock over on Wings 94.3. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up hour number one, because then Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge will join me right at 3 o'clock to start hour number two to talk about the Tigers and another road trip they got to take this weekend in high school football class 7A. So don't go anywhere. We'll recap and uh, finalize hour number one and then get into hour number two when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Joins me every Thursday at 2.30 talking Auburn athletics, particularly Auburn football this week uh, as they get ready for Sanford on Saturday for homecoming. Uh, appreciate Brad as always. And again, check out Tiger Talk tonight. Well, if you want to go out and be a part of it, they go live at 6 o'clock over at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Uh, so be sure you go and check them out. Get there early. As Brad says every time, get there early because that place will be packed out uh, tonight for for Tiger Talk and so that is from 6 to 7 if you can't make it out there uh, be sure you're checking in and, and figure in finding that over on our sister station Wings 94.3 or WingsFM.com every Tiger Talk every Thursday is there from 6 to 7 and then the Auburn football game this Saturday uh, you can find that on Wings 94.3 and our game day on Wings 94.3 show uh, the pregame show leading into uh, the Auburn Sports Network countdown to kickoff and all that good stuff so that'll be going live at two o'clock this week on Saturday with Jumpin' Jack Hudden and Uncle T-Bone, so be sure you check that out. They'll be talking the biggest games of the day, talking Auburn Sanford, uh, and getting you caught up from the action leading up to that and talking about some of those night games as well. So that starts at 2 o'clock, all the coverage this Saturday over on Wings 94.3. But before we get out of here for this first hour, Got a couple of minutes before uh, we have Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge join me on the phone lines. Got to talk a little baseball. I got to talk a little bit of news around Major League Baseball. I'm sure you all saw it, but in case you didn't, and even if you did, we're going to talk about it anyway. How about the Atlanta Braves? How about the Atlanta Braves on Thursday, September 14th of the season in 2023? The Atlanta Braves have 96 wins, 50 losses for a win percentage that's almost at 
Their home record is 47 and 25. Their away record is 49 and 25. Their run differential is plus 239. Their division lead over the Philadelphia Phillies is 17 games. That is the highest out of all divisions by four. The next biggest lead are the Dodgers in the West with a 13-game lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, and the Braves won the NL East last night. They won the division yet again in dominant fashion. They clinched the division with a 17-game lead on September 13th. It was last night when they defeated Philly. It's unbelievable. And the Braves are rolling. They're rolling, and nobody in their division can touch them. There are very few teams in baseball that can touch them because the next highest win total are the Baltimore Orioles with 91 wins, but yet their division lead is only two. Credit to Tampa Bay for hanging on. Credit to Tampa for hanging on. But the Atlanta Braves are the first team to clinch their division. They were the first team to clinch a spot in the playoffs. And the Braves are really good. You've got Matt Olson, who's about to break the single-season record for homers for the Braves. And they're just their offense is so good. It's, it's too good at times. You take three out of four on the road against Philly. Now you've got a series against the Marlins. And I, I talked about it. I talked about it previously. This back half of the schedule for Atlanta is easy. They got to get healthy. Got to get some pitchers. The offense is going to be fine. But I've been saying it for that one series where it might go cold. You've got to find some dudes in a starting rotation and find guys in the bullpen. And if you do that, who's going to stop this team? I haven't seen a team that can do it yet. Hour number one is in the books. When we come back, hour number two will begin with Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, as Auburn High went on the road last week and got a double overtime victory by the skin of their teeth. You better believe it. We'll talk about that with him when we come back. Plus, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us as well. That's all coming up in hour number two. production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Apalika Sports Leader. 
Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two of the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go back later on today and catch up with the podcast. Talk to some of the games coming up in college football in week three. Uh, maybe not the most exciting slate, but there are some good games there, so started breaking those down as we get closer to Saturday. Then talked with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network as he recapped the trip out to California and previewed homecoming weekend for Auburn football versus Sanford on Saturday. Plus, told you who's going to be on Tiger Talk tonight, so be sure you go and check that out as well at ESPNAU.com is where you can find the podcast commercial-free after the show today. But as we start hour number two off every single Thursday, it's Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge on the phone lines. Coach, hope you're doing well, man, and I know you're doing a little bit better thanks to what was a dramatic victory on Friday night on the road there in Dothan. Yeah, it was a really good win. We needed that win. Uh, you know, Dothan's got a great football team. Jeb Kennedy's one of the top coaches in the state. You know, he does a really good job with those guys at Dothan. You know, um, you know, with what they do, you know, it's really hard to stop and, and they're really fundamentally sound and, you know, just well coached. So uh, it was a great win for our group. Auburn went on the road and defeated Dothan 28-27 in double overtime. Coach, where does this rank in most stressful games you've ever been a part of? <laughs> it's just up, up, on up there, you know. Um, the thing is, what they do offensively is so hard to stop. So when you get in an overtime game, you're sitting there thinking, you know, we got to keep these cats from getting 10 yards. This is almost like trying to climb a cactus. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, you know, tough. Tough. But our we our defense really stepped up. Uh, uh, Pete uh, Jalen Davis made a huge play right there at the end of the game. Him and him and uh, um, you know our, our linebacker core, you know, came up and uh, Jalen got in the guy's feet, and then White Trexler came in and and finished it up. So I think uh, that was a huge play for us. And you know, it, I mean, it's one of the things where you start zero and two, you're really in trouble in this region. Can you, for, for our listeners that may not be uh, as familiar with the high school rules of an overtime, what does that look like for you and your squad in, in, in high school 7A overtime compared to what other people take in in college, NFL, what have you? You start at the 10. Uh, in high school, you start at the 10. Each team gets, gets uh, one timeout during overtime. There are no rollovers. Uh, so you get, you get four plays to get it in the end zone or kick a field goal. And then the other team gets four plays, you know, to answer. Mm-hmm. And then you just alternate. If, if you go offense first, you know, uh, and they go defense first, when you start the second overtime, it just flips. You'll be on defense first. They'll, they'll be on offense, and it's back and forth. And that final play, Dothan – Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that and, final play, Dothan scored that touchdown, right? And then they went for two in the double overtime, and Auburn stopped them. And that's how you guys escaped out of there with a victory. Yeah, we stopped them right inside the one-yard line. So, I mean, really big play. Um, I can't say enough. And, and, you know, and and you hate it that somebody has to lose that game because their kids played their guts out too. You know, there's two teams that that just played their guts out and the kids left it all out there on the field. And you hate to see a team, um, you know, come out of there with a loss. Um, But, you know, I I think that uh, – it's one of the things that you can learn from, 
it, you know, a loss like that ain't always bad. You know, um, I think it's sort of us losing that game to Enterprise. You know, I think you know it sort of woke us up a little bit. You know, uh, I think sometimes it's not that not bad to lose a game close like that. And it sort of helps you try to find ways to win on that line. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that Enterprise game because you, you lose what was a heartbreaker to Enterprise, 17-16, at home uh, the week before. And, and I wanted to ask you, since you got the win against Dothan, or even if you had uh, unfortunately lost the game, how did you see your kids and your team respond from that Enterprise loss and go on the road, a tough trip all the way down to Dothan, not an easy bus trip there, Coach. How did you see your team respond from that Enterprise loss loss and eventually pull out the win over Dothan yeah I think it you know I think they responded well you know considering we had a, guy, a bunch of guys banged up you know our quarterback was out you know our starting running back flakes didn't play um you know uh, Omar matches you know is another kid that plays running back he had 18 carries for 140 yards so you know uh I think they responded well we're up front we blocked pretty well Ian Nation played a lot of quarterback um you had, uh, um, you know, you had um, Henry, Henry Allen came in and played some quarterback. So, you know, uh, he, play, he played about seven or eight plays. So, you know, I, but Ian Nation did a really good job. Henry did a good job. Um, we had uh, Trey Marcus Webb, you know, had a couple touchdowns. Um, so, you know, there's some, some guys really stepped up the other, the other night. Our defense played great all night, you know. Uh, we sort of bend but didn't break, you know. Um, so, uh, we had a couple of times we got it inside the 10 and didn't, didn't get it in. I think we had it down to one yard line, uh, at the, early in the game and, and they, they held us out. And that's a testament to them. I'm telling you, <laughs> I can't say enough. Coach Kennedy does an amazing job with those guys. Down. Oh yeah, I mean, you, I mean, the defense has has helped you guys and kept you in ball games when the you know, and we see that you see that all over the place, right? The defense yeah. supposed to do that, you you know, keep the guys in the game until the offense can find some rhythm and eventually try to pull this thing out. And I'm glad you brought up the quarterbacks as well. I know we had talked last week. Starter is out for now, yeah. um, and you, it was almost quarterback by committee. Were you impressed with what you saw, and how's the game plan for that moving forward? I, I, yeah, I think we're going. I think we're going to play a lot of kids back there. You know, I think that it's a it's a situation we're going to play a lot of kids. We're going to see who who performs well, and you know, I think that you know we're going to need somebody to step up before we get to uh, before we get to the, these next few games. You know, we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see who steps up and plays well, and then then go from there. Auburn High School head football coach Keith Etheridge joining me here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Joins me every Thursday at 3 o'clock, recapping the game before and previewing the game coming up for his Auburn High School Tigers, which is this week, Coach, the Jag Jaguars. Uh, formerly Jeff Davis, now is Jag there in Montgomery. Your team is 2-1. and one. Their team looking for their first victory, but it's another road trip for your team, Coach. Do you see this building up as the season goes on? You only have four home games, one of of them's already done just a ton of road trips it's got to have some sort of impact on your squad huh yeah i mean i, mean, I think we got to become road warriors and when you get to playoffs you got to be able to win on the road anyway you know so yeah uh got to you kind of got to prepare yourself for that and you know um uh, we 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 decided to go to hoover go and play at the mat this year instead of playing it at our place we sort of gave up our our home game last year with hoover to play in that uh champions challenge you know, so it sort of put us with four this year. You know, so 
you know, you, you, you give and you get. You know, we got to play in the Champions Challenge and Kickoff Classic last year, and uh, at at, at uh, the Crampton Bowl, you know, mm-hmm. against who to start the year, and you know, really glad that Alabama High School Athletic Association asked us to do that, and and um, you know, uh, it, it was it was a great experience for our kids, and you know, we get to go back this week and go back to the Crampton Bowl. The Auburn High Tigers taking on JAG this Friday night on the road. You can catch that radio broadcast over on our sister station, Wings 94.3. Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, Jack Hudden will be on the call. Pre-game 6.30 and kickoff at 7. Uh, Coach Etheridge, what can you tell the listeners about this JAG team? Again, formerly Jeff Davis. I know some people are still adjusting to a couple of schools that had some name changes, but formerly Jeff Davis, now the JAG Jaguars. What can you tell the listeners about this squad, this team, and what you could expect to see on Friday night? Uh, very athletic quarterback's really good. You know, does a good job moving around in the pocket. Um, uh, got two good running backs. You know, big up front. You know, um, they're athletic. You know, on the edge, the linebacker, they're good. Um, got some receivers who really go get it. Tight ends, wow. He he looks about six 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 seven on on film. You know, he's towering over other kids. So you know, we got we're gonna have to come ready to play. You know, and they they struggle a little bit start of their season but they're one of them teams that you know you never know they they can come out and play great and, you know uh, they have they have some ability so and so and i think i ask you this just about every week and it's a different opponent so i think it's a different answer what does your team have to do what does auburn high have to do to go on the road once again to play in another region game and take down a jag team on friday we got to contain the quarterback uh, don't let him get big. Don't let them get big plays. Um, we need to cause some turnovers. You know, uh, need to put him in some situations where where he's you know trying to make make plays and then then get some takeaways. Um, offensively, we need to control the football. You know, not turn it over and not, try not to have any pre snap penalties. And the the status of your team health wise, um, uh, can you give us any updates on on guys that maybe have been not playing and they're going to see some time, or maybe some other issues there? Any any major concerns on the injury front, coach? Yeah, we got we got some guys that may be out, but the good thing is we'll get a couple guys back this week. You know, we'll get uh, Tyler Flake back. Um, Ty Hudson went out after the first quarter last week, or start one of our start middle linebackers. So you know, that's a that's a you know. Something you know we're 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 going to be dealing with this week. You know we'll, we'll it'll be a sort of a game time decision what what he looks like. And, you know um, the good thing is nothing nothing serious except for you know um, Jackson's shoulder right now. You know so and this is non throwing shoulder. We're hoping to get him back at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then how, how nice is it going to be to come back home next week? You're playing Percy Julia next week, but just get another home game. It is a region game, but trying to get back yeah. to, to Duck Sanford and play a game in front of the home crowd. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Love playing at Duck Sanford. Love, you know, being home. So, you know, I can't wait to we get an opportunity to play there and have a have a chance to check out that big Jumbotron again and, you know, try to get a win at home. 
That's right. Well, first up, you got to take care of business. On the road, Auburn High School making the trip to Montgomery, taking on the Jag Jaguars tomorrow. Again, you can find the radio broadcast over on Wings 94.3. Pre-game 6.30, kickoff at 7 with Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, and Jack Hudden. Coach Keith Etheridge of Auburn High School Football. Coach, as always, man, enjoy this phone call. I enjoy talking with you and learning about your team, and good luck on Friday night. Safe travels to you and your team as well. Thank you, brother. God bless. Thank you for what y'all do. Go Tigers. Appreciate it, Coach. That is Coach Etheridge of Auburn High School Football. He is the head coach over there for the 7A Auburn High School Tigers. 2-1 and one on the season so far, taking on a winless Jag Jaguars team. Uh, but just because you're 0-3 doesn't really mean anything uh, in 7A football. And this is another region game. Uh, it's another road region game for this Auburn High team. Their schedule, man, they just it's a, it's a tough schedule for Auburn. He mentioned earlier, they went up to Hoover and played Hoover. Uh, you did have that home game against Enterprise. You were on the road at Dothan. That's such a long trip. Uh, you've got this game against Jag. They do come home next week for Percy Julian. Um, then they have to make road trips to Ramsey, which is in Birmingham. It's a non-region game, but it is a road trip up to Ramsey. Uh, road game, quote-unquote road game at Opelika. Um, you get home games against Central and Prattville. Those are going to be massive games uh, that Auburn gets to play at home. And then you end the season on the road at Smith Station. So um, it's never easy in seven-day football, man. It's really not. So um, Coach Etheridge, we appreciate him and his time. He does a wonderful job for Auburn High School. Looking to move to 3-1 and one tomorrow on the road in Montgomery, taking on the Jag Jaguars. And again, on Friday nights, be sure you're flipping back and forth between Auburn High School over on Wings 94.3 and my radio broadcast, Lee Scott, on AU100. Lee Scott, the Warriors on the road at Glenwood tomorrow. The biggest rival it is. Um, it's Lee Scott. Glenwood is the Auburn Opelika of AISA. So um, it is our biggest rival, biggest game of the year. Lee Scott has won three straight against Glenwood, including the state championship game last year. So um, that one should be a lot of fun as well. Pre-game 6.30, kickoff at 7 over on AU100, which is 100.3 on your radio dial on AU100FM.com. So two great high schools that we get to cover here for Auburn Network. Lee Scott on Friday night uh, versus Glenwood on AU100, and then Auburn High School on the road at JAG on Wings 94.3. Thanks so much to Coach once again for his time. He joins me every Thursday as we start hour number two. When we come back, we'll have our question of the day. I proposed this in hour number one. Got a few minutes if you want to uh, join in on the show before we have another guest here. Thursdays are busy around here, man. They just are. We got a lot of great guests, a lot of fun having here on a Thursday. But question of the day, give me a call. It's time for you to do a little talking. What do you want to see Auburn University against Sanford on Saturday? What do you want to see from this team over in Jordan-Hare Stadium for homecoming this weekend. How can Auburn get better before taking on Texas A&M next weekend? I want to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390. We'll talk about that and some other news when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. 
All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here for the Thursday edition of On the Line. I want to remind you that the Plaza Bar and Lounge is your Tiger pregame destination for all fans on Saturdays during the fall. Home of the original Warburger, the Plaza Bar offers an easy and exciting menu to go with fantastic drink specials. Enjoy the kid and dog-friendly Plaza patio uh, while keeping up with all other football action leading up to kickoff in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturdays. Located at 800 Main Street in Midtown off of Opelika Road. The Plaza offers happy hour from 4 to 6 every weekday. Don't forget about that Sunday brunch before you leave town, Tiger fans. The Plaza Bar and Lounge, your pregame stop in Auburn. Big thank you to uh, Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge. Uh, joins me every Thursday at 3 o'clock to uh, talk about his team as they are 2-1 and one, uh, heading on the road once again to take on the Jag Jaguars in Montgomery tomorrow night. And um, big game for them, a really big game in region play a chance for them uh, to build a little momentum after a double overtime win in Dothan last Friday night. I was able to catch the the final few minutes of the broadcast when Lee Scott got done uh, with their football game and man it was it was crazy on what Auburn had to do to get that win but Auburn High came out with it they avoided what would have been a, a brutal lost to start region play there uh, and they ended up getting the win so uh, congrats to them last week safe travels uh, for uh, for Auburn High as they hit the road to Montgomery tomorrow but phone lines are open for a very brief time here on today's show I want to hear from you on a Thursday afternoon what's on your mind what do you want to talk about 334-321-1390 I'll get to my question of the day in just a second I'm, t- I'm asking you what do you want to see uh, from from Auburn on Saturday. How can Auburn improve? How can they get better? What needs to change in your mind for Auburn this Saturday to get ready for the start of SEC play next weekend? 334-321-1390. I think there are some things that need to change. And I think um, Brad Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network, um, he was on with me in the first hour, and he agreed with something that I said. He said Auburn needs to open up the playbook a little bit. Let the offense play on Saturday against Sanford. He said, no, you don't want to – you want to keep some of your scheme things closed up for later games, but he said you don't want to limit the skill players and the offensive guys, right? You don't have to limit your receivers or your running backs or your quarterback. Let them play. Let them play on Saturday against Sanford because we all know that they need it. They absolutely need it. They need some confidence. They need some stats. They, they, need, um, they, they just need to have some momentum before they go on the road to Texas A&M. And if they can do that, and let's say they go out and put up a 50-piece on Saturday and Peyton Thorne goes, I don't know, 22 of 30 uh, with a few touchdowns and no interceptions, right? And you have guys in the receiver room other than – Rivaldo Fairweather, who is fantastic, by the way, and Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson, get other guys involved because there are other receivers there. And I think Brad's 100% accurate on that as well. There are other guys that have the potential to be really, really good in this offense for Auburn. And I think on Saturday, let them play, throw the football, and let's see what happens. And let's see if we can... If Auburn can find, maybe you find something, right? What if you start running some of these plays and you find something that you didn't know you had, whether it was a 
a guy in space, right? Or whether it was a certain play that you just didn't think was going to work, but all of a sudden it did. And I know it's Sanford this weekend, but still, you've got to find something before you go to Texas A&M. Because I promise you, even though A&M lost to Miami this past weekend, if Auburn takes the same mindset and has the same effort on offense against Texas A&M that they did against Cal this past Saturday, Auburn will lose. Auburn will lose. I don't care how good the defense plays. Because this thing has not changed. you got to score points to win football games. got to score points to win any game. So Auburn's going to have to find a way to do that on Saturday. So that's what I want to see. I want to see Saturday be effortless. I want to see it be fun. I want to see it be aggressive. I want Auburn to score every time on every possession. And then in the second half, let your backups and get some really skilled but young guys in the football game on all sides and in all aspects. I think that's what has to happen. And if you can do that, you're going to be in good shape and you're going to feel a lot better about yourself going on the road to Texas A&M. And I think you, the fan, would feel better about this Auburn team going to Texas A&M next week as well if Peyton Thorne and this offense could come out and have an easy, effortless, exciting performance on Saturday night. Plus, feed off the the atmosphere. It's homecoming weekend. It's the first night game in Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2023. Feed off of that. Get excited. Right, Embrace what you're going to be playing in on Saturday. And I think Auburn will, again, the win should not be in question here. But Auburn has to use this game on Saturday to get better. I think they will. I think you'll see a lot different schemes, a lot different attitudes, a lot different, um, I, I guess, a lot different game plans in this football game because Auburn has to change something. Defensively, you're good. You're fine right now. You're fine. But you can always get better. Auburn's got to get healthy on defense. Got to get healthy. Got to find some guys in that linebacker room that can step up and replace some guys. We know Austin Keys is down and out for a while with a thumb injury. Um, we've been told that Larry Nixon got banged up on Saturday. He was out of practice on Tuesday, but I don't know how much that's worth. You just got to find some guys to step up. Find some guys, get them experience. That's what you can do on Saturday. You just have to get better in multiple aspects. Get better, enjoy it, take your win, enjoy the homecoming, and move on to Texas A&M. Before we get to break, and before we get Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, on the phone, I missed this from earlier today, but this is awesome. It says, on Wednesday, the Cleveland Cavaliers announced three new signings, including former Atlanta Hawks player Sharif Cooper. How about that? How about that? The Cleveland Cavaliers, he's played there before, but they are signing Sharif Cooper, and he'll be a part of training camp. It has a chance to get back on an NBA roster. That is fantastic news. That is awesome news. For a guy that deserves it, a guy that I think went to the NBA too early, I've said that. I think he went too early. He got some bad information when he went because he was projected to be a lottery pick, which is top 15, first round minimum, and he didn't get anywhere near that. So I'm excited. He has been balling out in the G League. 
pretty much any court that Sharif Cooper has stepped on since he left college, he has been a dominant player at the point guard position. But again, his height will limit him, but if he can find a way around that, if he can find a way to not let that affect him, he hasn't so far. The NBA is a whole different world. It's different than the G League. It's much different than college. But there's been shorter guards that have made had great success in the NBA. And Sharif Cooper could be one of those. He can shoot. He can score. He can pass. He can dribble. He can manage. He's a great point guard. And I hope he gets this. He's getting his shot right now. I hope he takes advantage of it. And I hope they see the value of what Sharif Cooper already is and what he could be at the professional level. So congratulations to him. We'll be cheering for him here from Auburn. But when we come back, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join me. We'll get his thoughts and recap from week two and preview what could be a good week three in the SEC for college football. We'll talk to him when we come back. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. A busy edition of the Thursday on the line continues here on ESPN 1067. We got guests all show long, and I love it so much. It makes hey makes my job even more fun when I get to talk to wonderful guests. And as always on a Thursday afternoon, it's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, who joins us every Thursday at 3:30. Chris, hope you're doing well, man. Football season's in full swing. Yeah, it is, man. It's uh, this is an awesome time of year. This is where you know NFL is now underway. College football, a couple weeks in, and uh, you know baseball's winding down. Into the baseball playoffs, so this is always a fun time of year because there's so much stuff going on. I can't ever remember what your are you a are you a Texans fan? Are you a Saints fan? What's your NFL affiliation, Chris? So I cover the Texans, but right. I'm still a diehard Saints fan. Okay. So, the dual, you know, I got the dual TV set up, so I'm watching them. I'm, I'm watching Saints, I'm watching Texas, and everything else. So, you know, I'm I'm a sports junkie. I got to keep up with everything. That's right. Well, I knew you, obviously, you know, being based in Houston, but uh, you're Louisiana tie. So I, I wasn't sure if you were a Texans or a Saints guy. I'm sorry on both of those, but that's okay. Um, you know, it can't can't win them all, right? No, Saints, Saints won. Saints won. So. Yeah, they won in week one, but just give it some time. Give it some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's all good. Well, you also host the Locked on SEC podcast. And, Chris, before we get to game specifics, man, what is going on with the Southeastern Conference? I'm having, I'm having people ask me two weeks in, is the SEC down? Is this a bad conference in 2023? I mean, the, the results have not been pretty for this conference through two weeks of college football, man. Well, in defense, I say the teams they've lost to are pretty good. Like, it's not like – in years past where we've had, um, you know, Auburn lose to Jacksonville State or okay, okay. Texas A&M lose, lose, lose to Appalachian State. You know what I mean? Like, those are years Fair. where I'm like, God, the SEC sucks. Texas beating Alabama is not like this massive upset. I know it's you know, technically point spread it was an upset, but, like, people, there were tons of people picking Texas to win this game a week ago. LSU losing to Florida State, hey, it turns out Florida State's a top-five team. They're pretty good. 
Um, you know, Miami beat A&M is kind of, it was, you know, A&M was favored by four. So it's not like, again, not like they were a 28-point favorite and they blew it. It was, you know, so these are good teams beating a, uh, SEC teams. It's not like it's, you know, some, like I said, some drug that, that, that is beating somebody. Like, for instance, last week, uh, you know, Arkansas messed around with Kent State for a couple quarters. Like, if Kent State beats Arkansas, yeah, that's an awful loss and, and you deserve, you know, yes, the conference is down. But, like, the losses they've had, they've, they've been good losses. So, you know, I think we're going to find out as the season goes along. It feels like Texas and Florida State are both going to be top five teams throughout this year, mm-hmm. uh, probably going to win their their conferences. And on the flip side, like today, if if, Al, if, if Alabama had beaten Texas, what, what would we be saying today? My God, Alabama is, is a juggernaut. They're going to go undefeated. Well, on the flip side, just because they lost this game doesn't mean Alabama can't run the table and go 11-1. and one. So, it's it's all one game, it, you know, might kind of microcosm of, of a long season. Like it's it's one game. So, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sitting here writing the SEC's obituary today. They they lost some tough games against some good teams. That doesn't mean your conference stinks. If somebody is trying to make a case for the Pac-12 being, oh, it's the best conference in America. Oh yeah, who have they beat? I mean, like you go look at who Oregon has played and who Oregon State has played, like. Okay, like there's no like really impressive. Oh my god, I can't believe they won that game. Like Utah beat Florida. Florida's supposed to win six games this year. So like, I, I'm just I, I'm not on board with the SEC is, is dying. I would expect nothing less from the guy who hosts the Locked On SEC podcast. And look, I, I'm I'm there with you. I think the SEC. <laughs> Has they've struggled out of the gate, but it's going to be really entertaining once SEC play starts up, which does happen this week. Uh, before we start talking about some of those games, that Alabama-Texas game, it was the biggest one of the weekend. I uh, want to get your thoughts on that, plus the Auburn-Cal game. But let's start Alabama-Texas. Um, this was a this was a historic loss for Alabama. You know all the stats with uh, the double-digit loss at home for Nick Saban, first time in his coaching career in college. Um, just all the things that went into this. There was so much hype and anticipation. And Texas not only won, Chris, they won by 10 points, which is double digits. What did you see on Saturday, and where does Alabama go from here? Yeah, well, I'm mad at myself because all offseason I was picking Texas to win that game. I think I probably said it on your show over the summer at some point mm-hmm. that I thought Texas was going to beat Alabama. And then I got duped because week one, Texas plays uninspired football against Rice. Uh, you know, Quinn Ewers doesn't look great, misses on some deep passes to his wide receivers. And Alabama, you know, beat up on Middle Tennessee pretty convincingly. Jalen Miller looked great with three touchdowns. You know, what was it, uh, five combined touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. And I, I got duped. I was I, I swayed my, you know, I swayed in favor of Alabama. I was like, man, week one, Alabama looked great. Texas didn't look all that great. And, uh, look, Texas played inspired football. They went out there and played their best game and, I thought Stark, you know, called a hell of a game. The plays he dialed up, uh, the separation the, the Texas wide receivers got on the Alabama secondary. I, I can't remember a game that Alabama's DBs, you know, coached under Nick Saban have been burned that badly. I mean, it was it, those receivers were open all day. And kudos to Stark. Like, when that game was 16-13, you know, Bama takes the lead late in the third quarter. That's, that's the easy spot where teams clam up especially in Tuscaloosa, right? Like, we've seen it all the time in the past. A team has a lead late, but they blow it because Bama's Bama. Uh, Sark gets the ball back, and he goes, nope, we're going right back down the field. They go right back down the field, score touchdown, they go ahead. On the very ensuing next drive, Jalen Miller throws an interception. 
boom, Texas punches it in. Now they're up double digits. I mean, that was that to me was like that was the turning point in the game, and and that one really, um, you know, again, just credit like start keeping the foot on the gas pedal, saying we're not gonna. You know, running the football and eating up clock and get out of here with a close win—that's not how you win in Alabama. You've got to, you've got to go. You know, pedal to the metal and, and, and keep running your offense. And kudos to them—they did that and monster, monster win. But again, I, I just Alabama's too talented. I don't think they're going to play like that the rest of the year. I mean, um, you know, I'm sure they've watched that film over and over and over again with Saban. Some concerns. I mean, the offensive line was not as dominant as they were supposed to be. That was supposed to be Alabama's strength this year. They didn't run the ball very well. I, although it was weird, Jason McClellan in that first quarter, didn't it feel like he was running for like four, five, six yards a carry? Mm-hmm. And then they got away from it. And I'm like, is Bill O'Brien back calling plays? Because that's <laughs> something he would have done. Uh, and I thought Jalen Milrow put too much emphasis on not going through his reads and, and tucking it, running it you know, earlier than he needed to. Um, and credit Texas's D-line. They got after it. But, again, you know, it was, it was a great win for Texas. It was a bad loss for Alabama from a standpoint of they never do that at home. You know, we, we, we ran through the five losses they've been at home since 2010, and, and it's all been special performances. I thought Quinn yours was, was great. I didn't think he was like Joe Burrow, Cam Newton-esque. I thought it was a really good performance, but – um, look, man, Bama wasn't ready to play, and so that they got beat. But they could certainly, again, I can make a case all day for them to run the table and, and still win this thing. He hosts the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris Gordy on the phone lines with us every Thursday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Auburn went to Cal last week. Um, we talked about just the the weirdness of this game and how Auburn was the better team, but you had to play clean football. It was ugly in every facet of the game offensively for Auburn, but the defense played lights out, and somehow, by the grace of God, I think, they escaped Berkeley, California with a 14-10 win. What did you see from Auburn and expectations for them moving forward? Yeah, for those of us who stayed up late enough to watch that piece of turd, I mean, it was <laughs> that was one of the worst football games I think I've ever seen. Oh, uh, And look, Kudos to Auburn pulling it out because we would have felt very different about them if they didn't pull out the win. But, man, a lot of credit. Auburn's defense came to play. Uh, Asante was was fantastic. He was everywhere. I thought the DBs were great. But, my gosh, for, you know, if if I just put that film on for you and didn't tell you who was coaching Auburn, would you believe if I told you after that Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze were running the offense? Like, for two guys that are known for their offense and what they do, that just – it was ugly. So, look, they got a lot of things to get fixed, a lot of things to clean up. Peyton Thorne, I'm, I'm, a, I'm looking at a little sideways through two weeks. You know, I, I know a lot of Auburn fans got hyped up and, and looked at his numbers at Michigan State and were excited about – you know, I had somebody tell me, you know, do you think Peyton Thorne could finish the year top five in, in the SEC in passing? Like, he's nowhere close to that. So – They've uh, they got a lot of soul searching to do because they got a big one with A and M coming up here real soon. But um, yeah, look, I think it's one of those you you burn the film, you, you hold your nose, you burn it, and say, uh, all right, we're, we're never going to play like that again the rest of the year. You're happy you won, but they got to figure out how to get this offense going. And it was good to see Jarquez Hunter back in there, but man, he just there was no running room to be found. And uh, and again, this passing game still just has a lot of work to do. One more result from last week before we look at the week three slate of college football in the Southeastern Conference. 
I said the Texas A&M and Miami game was a game for Jimbo Fisher that he could not lose. Going to a Miami team that you are more talented than, supposed to be better coached than, and playing in a stadium that 40% capacity at max. And yet A&M didn't just lose, Chris. They got embarrassed by the end of it against Miami. What gives? Yeah, the good news is the, the biggest fear we had for A&M was about the offense, the Bobby Petrino butting heads with Jimbo Fisher. The good news is the offense is still pretty stinking good. I mean, Connor Wegman is, is, is doing his thing. I know he threw, he threw his first interception, first interception of his career, because, you know, he didn't throw, he didn't throw one last year in, in his starts down the stretch of last year. But, um, they got to figure out the, what's going on with the defense. They've got four and five star talent all up and down that roster. And DJ Durkin, my God, like, supposed to be one of the better defense coordinators in the country. And that was, that was a stinker. So, yeah, they got to get some stuff figured out. I did, I did not like Jimbo going to bat for his guy on Monday morning saying, hey, DJ Durkin's doing a damn good job. I mean, look, there's one thing to take up for your guy, but you could also say, yeah, the defense was not up to par. Right. Defense not getting it done. I mean, you score 33 points in a game, you're supposed to win that game. I get it's 2023 and a lot of people have high up-tempo offenses, but Tyler Van Dyke's throwing five touchdown passes on you. I mean, that's just like – and again, that's a highly recruited kid. Like he's supposed to do. That's what he was supposed to be. But we just have never seen Tyler Van Dyke play like that up until this point. So, again, I, I go back to it's the same thing with Alabama. Like it's not good for A and M, but it also doesn't mean that they're going to suck and not win an SEC game. Like they can very much still regroup, fix their issues on defense. I'm just looking at some of those big time talent. Like Walter Nolan was the number one uh, defensive player in the country a year ago, and like. How does that guy not have two, three sacks? Like, him and Shamar Stewart and all these different pieces they have, like, I'm just wondering where those guys are. Go get some pressure. Get some turnovers. Do something. So, um, we'll see. But, then, again, the good news is for AM, at least their offense looked halfway decent. And if they keep playing like that, they're going to be in every game they play. Looking ahead to what I consider not a very great week three in the SEC, I think you have a difference of opinion here with some of these games that are happening in the Southeastern Conference. Number 14, LSU in Stark, Vegas, 11 a.m. on Saturday, taking on uh, Mississippi State. Kansas State on the road in Columbia, taking on Missouri for whatever reason. South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee and Florida. Just your thoughts on some of those games around the conference that have potential to be good, but also have potential to be some big blowouts. Yeah, LSU-Mississippi State is a danger spot for LSU. I, I don't know why people are so down on Mississippi State because they've gone more traditional style. Yeah, they went to overtime with Arizona a week ago. They honestly should have put that game away earlier. They, they had, their defense has four interceptions in that game. Uh, Woody Marks, the running back, he leads the SEC in rushing currently. So Mississippi State is, is old-school Mississippi State. Their dominant run game and you know hard-nosed defense and Will Rogers, one of the most experienced passers in the country, just doesn't have to do much. He's just throwing the football when he has to. They're, you know, throwing it to Tulu Griffin, who's really good, got a lot of speed. But um, it's a very different, far cry team from what we saw two years ago. It's funny. I was looking at the numbers two years ago. Last time LSU went to Starkville, they they eked out a 28-25 win in that game. Uh, Woody Marks ran the ball 13 times, and Will Rogers threw the ball 62 times. This past week against Arizona, Woody Marks ran the ball 24 times, and Will Rogers threw the ball 17 times. I mean, it is light years different from what they were two years ago, but they are still a real good physical football team. And LSU last week, I I know it was Grambling, 
But early on, Grambling was gashing them for some long run plays. And I just have some big question marks about this LSU defense that was supposed to be so studly with Harold Perkins Jr. and all these different pieces, Mason Smith. And they just haven't done a whole lot. They haven't had a lot of sacks. They haven't, you know, the, the DB play is questionable. So I, I think if LSU is going to win games throughout the season, they're going to have to get it done with their offense. Jaden Daniels is still really good. You know, five touchdown passes last week against Grambling I thought was great. Um, but, like, they're going to have to score first. Like, put it this way, if LSU gets the ball first and they go three and out and punt, and Mississippi State goes down and scores, LSU's in trouble. So I was shocked when I saw that line come out on Monday and said it was 10, LSU minus 10. I was thinking it was going to be more like LSU minus four or five. So if you could still get nine or ten points plus Mississippi State, I would jump on those points. And, uh, again, real, real dangerous spot for LSU. Mississippi State's got a chance to win that game. The other one, um, I think South Carolina hangs with Georgia for a little bit. I know wow. that sounds shocking, but but look, Georgia's played two. Georgia's had two very uh, uninterested looking performances against what was it, Middle Tennessee and Ball State, or whoever it was they played, or UT Martin and Ball State. They were scoreless with Ball State going into the second quarter this past week. That was like I was like, what in the world is wrong with Georgia? Georgia can't run the football. They don't have they, their running backs are not finding holes. The O line is not doing their job, and Kendall Milton and all these different running backs they have. Nobody is getting any kind of long runs or anything like that. And then the other thing is Georgia's defense. Like somebody was telling me earlier, they're like, oh, Spencer Rattler got sacked nine times week one against North Carolina. What do you think Georgia's going to do, Jacob? Do you know how many sacks Georgia has through two weeks? Uh not many. They have won. It was it was week one against Tennessee Martin. Michael Williams. They played Ball State for four quarters last week and didn't get one sack. Again, oh no! I, I know people. I know people are going to argue. Oh, it's, they're they're just playing crappy opponents, inferior opponents. They they're not getting up to these guys. They're going to get up for South Carolina. Okay, great. Spencer Rattler leads the SEC in passing right now. He is throwing for 300 yards a game. Xavier Leggett has established himself as his go-to target, and that's with Juice Wells not playing. So. I'm just telling you, South Carolina is going to go in there and they're going to score some points. Now, look, they may turn the ball over. It sounds like Javante Bullard may not go this week. If he doesn't, that's a, that's down a DB, a really good DB for Georgia. But I just when I saw that line was about Georgia minus 28 points, I'm going, my God! Like no respect for Spencer Rattler or South Carolina. Again, I get it. The O line is not great, but when they give him time to throw, Spencer can make the throws, and so. I'm not calling for South Carolina to win by any means, but I think they could hang. I think they, you know, lose by 10 or 14 or something. Like, I just can't see a four-touchdown loss for South Carolina, but we'll see. And then the other one, the night game is, uh, Jacob, real quick, I, I think it's the best game of the week. I think I think Florida's got real upset potential against Tennessee. Uh, Joe no way. No way. Yeah, Joe, Mil- Joe Milton has not looked good. Joe Milton, if you watched him last week, uh, against Austin P, it was old Joe Milton. No accurate passes, throwing the ball over guys' heads, throwing it at their feet. Their run game is really good. Their run game is the best in the SEC. That's how Tennessee is going to beat Florida. But keep in mind, Florida's going to get their starting center back, Kingsley Aguacan. He has not played yet this season. Uh, it sounds like Tennessee is going to get their center back in Cooper Mays. But uh, I think Florida, if they can run the ball, move the chains, play keep away a little bit, and Joe Milton you know, is, is getting off the field on third downs and not completing passes, I think Florida could keep this one close, and, and I think Tennessee is on upset alert if Joe Milton plays like he did a week ago. Wow. What what a win that would be for Florida and Billy Napier. A, a, a job-saving win, Chris, if they get that? Yeah, I mean, they're not. I, 
don't think look, they were supposed to go six and six anyway this season. So if they go six and six, I don't think he's fired. But I just I look at Florida's got too much talent on that team. They played they play horrible week one against Utah. They shot themselves in the foot a ton of times. Graham Mertz, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over and, and protects the football and they run the, run it as effectively as he did a week ago with Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson, like this thing is going to be close. It's been 20 years, Jacob, since Tennessee won in the swamp. Yeah, I saw 2003. that. So it's not like it's not like Tennessee does this on the regular. Even last year when they had their juggernaut team, Florida still came back and made it close late. So. I just sometimes history just keeps repeating itself, and we don't know why. This is one where I feel like Tennessee could lose, and we're and we're looking at it going. Well, we should have we should have knew that because that's what's happened for the last twenty years. He tells it like it is and holds nothing back, which is why I have him on this show every single week. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, before you get out of here, plug everything you got going on. Where can the people find you? And I appreciate you and your time every single week, brother. Yeah, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we got the YouTube version up. And uh, our numbers have been through the roof since uh, football season started. So I uh, appreciate all y'all who are checking it out and, and tuning in. And, um, and yeah, we'll be cranking it out. We'll do our full weekend preview coming tomorrow. And I'll, we'll make all of our official picks. All right, man. Hey, we'll talk to you next Thursday and see if, uh, see if you were right on uh, Mississippi State, Florida, and all these uh, – and South Carolina hanging close with Georgia. All right, thanks, man. That's Chris Gordy. Go check him out. Host of Locked on SEC. He does a wonderful job. We went so long right there, but I don't care. He does so much, uh, such a great job. I look forward to that conversation every single week because he comes out firing, he tells you what he thinks, and he makes some big predictions, but he believes it, and that's what I love about Chris Gordy. Go check him out. We have to get to our final break because we are running out of time. We'll take a quick one, be right back, and wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line on the other side. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I told you it'd be a quick break, and this is going to be a really, really quick segment because we went long uh, with Chris Gordy, but I just can't help it, man. He just gets rolling, and and I'm not going to tell him to stop. I'm not going to cut him off, and I've got too many questions for him to ask every single week. And so, again, go check him out on Locked on SEC, on on your podcast, on YouTube. Uh, Also, uh, so thank you to him for his time this week and every single week. Also talked with Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, uh, to start hour number two today as Auburn High got a massive double overtime victory over Dothan last week. They are on the road once again in Montgomery taking on the Jag Jaguars tomorrow night. Uh, so be sure you go and check out that interview. And Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joined me back in the first hour uh, recapping the trip out to California and previewing homecoming this weekend for Auburn football versus Sanford. Also previewing Tiger Talk tonight, which you can find over on our sister station Wings 94.3. They'll be going live the Auburn Sports Network guys well from Baumhauer's and you can find that on the radio here in Auburn Opelika on 94.3 and wingsfm.com um, that'll be six o'clock so as soon as Bill and Dan are done on the drive here on ESPN flip it over to Wings and catch Tiger Talk tonight six to seven with Andy Burcham uh, Brad Law and all the Auburn Sports Network guys and of course head coach Hugh Freeze We'll have the Friday edition of On the Line tomorrow. My interview with Keontae Scott that I have every single week, the Auburn defensive back. We'll have that tomorrow.
tomorrow. Plus, it is on the line Fridays with Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett. He'll join me in the studio as we make our picks for the SEC games and also give you our thoughts and predictions for Auburn versus Sanford. Today was so much fun. We'll do it again tomorrow before the weekend. Don't go anywhere, though. Bill and Dan taking over for the drive here from 4 to 6 on ESPN. Until tomorrow, 2 to 4, here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. My name is Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.